welcome, welcome. I am Vian Erica here with my husband Joe. Hello, everyone. And welcome to another episode of In Due Time. For today's episode, we actually have a wonderful, amazing guest. The person who is going to be joining us for today's episode is Ia Omi Ogunsina. And she is actually known as Mama Omi. She is the founder of an organization called Daughters of the Moon. And she is here to share with us all kinds of wonderful insight because we're kind of up to our necks and talking about the pandemic. But what we have is amazing insight into what's happening on the other side in terms of preparation, what we're doing with rituals, old school, um, really African rituals and culture as it responds to, as it relates to us as people moving through this experience. So welcome, welcome, Ia Omi. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. It's so great to have you here. I know this is the... I appreciate you inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's been so much that's been happening, so much that's been going on. We talked about COVIDing globally or our, our globing. So we went to different places. We did Australia, we did Jamaica, we did Cambodia. I also did one with millennials. And I thought, you know what? We also need to look at what's happening within our own culture and what is happening from a spiritual perspective, not to be confused with the religious. And I know that there have been so many so much on social media because now we have so much time to look at um pot to, to listen to various podcasts we see a lot of posts that's happening on social media and there are organizations like daughters of the moon that you've been doing this for a number of years so i wanted to have you here so that you could actually talk about daughters of the moon and tell us why you actually created this organization and actually what it's all about i'm ready go ahead the mic is yours. Okay. Well, um, as, as you said, my name is Ia Omisola Ogunshina, and I am a Yemoja priestess. Um, I created Daughters of the Moon, now it's about five years ago. Yes. Um, the idea, honestly, I did not expect it to become what it is. Um, when I first thought about it, I was actually canceling another event um, and I, I I had a dream and in the dream I was surrounded by these very aged older women you know however term, term I want to use um, I couldn't see their faces they had a spokesperson and they basically said to me in time so I got in touch with um, a sister friend of mine whose name is Anne, and I said, okay, we're going to do a witch convention. I wanted to do this because um, in addition to having the dream, I had many women come to me because I do womb healing work. Mm. Deal with women who are dealing with womb issues, but who have these gifts that they have not tapped into um, be it they refuse to tap into it because of their environment. They can't tap into it because of their environment. They don't have anybody to teach them what's going on. 
but they were dealing with some level of depression, womb issues, and things like that. So I thought, wouldn't it be great to be able to bring these women together so that they could see that they're not alone? Mm. And that's why I thought I had to dream, because she was saying to me, it's time for you to do this. Yes. So I told Ann, I said, okay, let's do this. Now, honestly, you know, we're in Maryland. I'm thinking, you know, we might have 20, you know, 30 people show up, and it'll be a, a nice little one-day thing, and then everybody will go home about their business. Um, that's not what happened. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> what had happened was... What had happened? When we showed up, because we, you know, we, we had it in Baltimore, and it's been in Baltimore every year. And when we, um, when Ann and I showed up to the venue, there was a lot. Now, mind you, we had sold a pretty good number of tickets. I think it was like over... Um, over 50 tickets or something like that. So I was like, oh, well, that's neat. Uh, so, when, so when we showed up to the venue and we saw the line going around the building, or the block, rather, mm-hmm. I cried. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm a cancer, so you know by, by birth, you don't need much to make a cry. So I was, like, overwhelmed with what I saw. And these women came from you know, all over the East Coast, some the West Coast. We even had a sister come from the Bahamas. Yes. really touched me. I'm like, this woman actually got on a plane from the Bahamas. Sure did, yep. To, to come to this event. And we had women who were willing to give their time and speak. We saw um, some possessions happening with, you know, some of the elders. I think one of the elders got possessed by... Um, by um, an ancestor, we saw women talking and coming together. Um, we had some wonderful speakers, and as a matter of fact, I always tell you, that's where I met you. You, you were coming out the train station, and I said, I saw this beautiful old talking head just coming by with a moon on the side, and I said, who is this? That's how we met. And that's I right. That beautiful, that beautiful talking head on the just ready. You was ready. had the moon on your head. She said, this is what I'm here for. I'm letting everybody know this is my calling card. <laughs> what I'm coming for. Um, so it's been happening every year ever since. Yes. Um, it's gotten a little bit bigger as far as the days. And, you know, people who are able to. Last year we had people who couldn't be with us physically, but jumped at the opportunity to join us online. And that's the first time we ever did that. Yeah. Plus we had um, an elders uh, round table which gave an opportunity for people to ask questions to, you know, to elders. And it was important for me to have elders involved in Daughters of the Moon because I really wanted women to see that this is not new age. This is right. not YouTube. This is not, you know, Google. We're not just picking something out of the blue and making it up. This is stuff that's been passed down from generation to generation, and, you know, some of us have forgotten. Some of us were blessed to have elders in our family or in our lives that uh, continue to feed us this information. And I always tell people that I didn't start it because I considered myself some guru. I wanted to know information, too. 
Right. And, you know, when you can't find it, the best way to do it is to kind of bring it together. Plus the fact that, you know, when you go online, are you are you looking their information? We just don't say there. Right. Um, you, you feel left out. Right. Because there's not enough representation of us. You would think that Africans did not have culture, that we did not have economics, that we did not have education, that we did not have medicine and agriculture. You would think that, you know, based on what you, what, you know, the, the exclusion that we were just over there doing nothing but right. running around. Exactly. And we had societies and laws and traditions and, and all of that happening. And, you know, we had our, our pantheons. And, you know, you. I even read a book. I forgot the name of the book, but I bought it used because I, I get interested in hearing what they say. So some, I do read their stuff. Right. And one of the things that she said was that all of our gods and goddesses died during the transatlantic slave trade. And I'm like, what is this broad talking about? <laughs> like, this is really crazy. Our gods and goddesses did not die. That's right. They came with us. And along with us being over here, we also created new things like hoodoo. Right. You know, so... We, we we are, I, can, I like to look at this as a culture within a culture, if that makes sense. That does. And so the interesting thing about Dars of the Moon, for a lot of people who may not know, is that when people hear about it, they think about it as um, a collection of witches. And they go, well, I'm not really into that. However, it's way more than that. And what I've appreciated about Dars of the Moon over the years, because I was there in October of 2016, when the first Daughters of the Moon um was held in Baltimore. My daughter and I, we went to that event. And I remember we pulled up and we were like, okay, well, we didn't know what to expect. And you're right. There was a hella long line that stretched down the block. And we we're like, okay, this must be the place because all these women are here for this event. And it is an o a woman-only event, right? It's a woman-only organization. We did want to exactly make that really clear. One of the very powerful things about Daughters of the Moon is that it is an opportunity for people, and I don't think people realize this, which is why I, I really want it to be clear. It is an opportunity for people to come together who are at different levels of learning. Yes. It is not about coming together because you want to be join a house or because you want to only study the Orishas or the Luwas or Lukumi or Santeria. That's not what this is about. This is about, it could just be that you have dreams. It could just be that you want to learn about incense. It could just be that you want to learn about practices that you may have seen your ancestors, your grandmother, your great grandmother doing or heard about. And it's like, well, I really want to learn more about this. And because, yeah. like you mentioned, so much of what is out there, you can't always trust the source. And a lot of our culture, meaning the African culture, it's passed down by word of mouth. It's passed down by coming together and gathering and having conversations and talking. And so because there isn't a lot of recorded information in terms of what happened way back then, it is important that we come together to maintain those stories and those rituals and those practices. And that's what Daughters of the Moon has served to do over the years. 
And you know what? It's funny because, you know, in my in my time of trying to research and find out more about us and, you know, learning about the storytellers in the community, it's like part of you mourns that that information was not written down. Yes. But another part of you realizes that we're missing those communities where there are gatherings and you do have the young people sitting and listening and learning and you do have the apprenticeships, uh, you know, and having that connection of having things passed down from generation to generation. So it's like a double mourning. Like I mourn that the information is gone, but I also mourn the, of, of the gatherings that took, that must have taken place in the community to, to have this done. And that's what I kind of see Daughters of the Moon being because you have these women who have information who have been practicing for years and are saying, you know what, I'm going to come and I'm going to come really at great expense on my part. When I say my part, I mean their part that gives interest. Right. Um, to, to share this information with my sisters because it's important to me to, to pass this on. And we've had sisters come with wonderful information. And Daughters of the Moon, I've always said from day one that we are a gathering of black women from all walks of life, spiritual understanding. Um, you know, I use the term wit because I am, a, like I said, I'm a cancer. I do the most. So I like shock value. <laughs> I like the conversation that goes around it, the debate that happens. And it's so funny because that first year, we got a little clap back, and it was funny because people were sharing, and they're like, "Oh, why are these people calling themselves witches?" And, all that. and for every share, we had three new people buy tickets. Yeah, and I was just like, "Just keep right on sharing and say what you want because you saved me from having to be on social media all day." Right, and it happens every year. It's like women find out about it, even with the TV. Uh, interview that we did, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, we had both uh, positive responses and some iffy responses and some, you know, not-so-nice responses. But what it did was it spread the word so that for women who were seeking this, yes, they were able to reach out to us. And this time and this gathering is sometimes the only opportunity these women have to come together and be themselves and to be able to have a conversation about crystals, to be able to have a conversation about herbs, and to be able to have a conversation about yoni steaming or, you know, or the moon or, you know, different elements or the orisha or shamanism and not have somebody look at them and say, what in the world are you talking about? Right. Or, you know, or I have dreams or I hear and see things and you and not have somebody say, oh, you need to go to church. You need to be saved. That's the devil. Right. And, you know, a lot of what Africans brought over was considered, you know, the devil's work. It's like they worked very hard to scare us from what was ours. But then they turn around and bottle it up and rename it. Right. And sell it at a higher price back to us. Right. So it's like a lot of the stuff that 
you know, we pay good money for, I'm like, your people taught them people that. That's right. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's watered down, but the root, it belongs to us. And one of the amazing things was in January, my husband and I actually spent um, the pretty much the month of January in Africa. And one of the amazing things about that journey was actually being in the village and going with, working with the shaman and really seeing what some of them referred to. We went to different shamans and actually spent a good deal of time with them and really just seeing what true old school truly old school uh, practices are. I'm talking about here's the bush that you're going to take and they go out and they pick it and they put it together. You know, here's the sacrifice that you're going to make that yes, we do here, but there was just something very different about doing this under the stars, doing this at night. There was no electricity. There was no, um, there's no traffic in these areas where we were. Everybody is on foot, under the stars at night with the drumming and the, the 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 animals and it was just an amazing communal moving experience there's something about putting your 10 commandments down on the continent that no matter how many times i heard it nothing actually prepared me you know my husband is smiling what 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 do you what do you think no i, I think that you can look throughout history and see based on major events that have happened in this world, that ritual activity has allowed us to be able to endure these kind of things. Yeah. And it's going back to those grassroots that people need to understand is what's going to get us through a lot of what's happening now today. Absolutely. I remember um, speaking with a gifted reader who does Akashic, uh, Akashic readings, she is absolutely amazing. And one of the things that she said is that this is actually a time that we're going through a dematerialization. And this particular event of COVID-19 and this pandemic, because it's impacted everyone around the world, that's mm -hmm. much of what we're seeing. It is getting away from, you talk about the food supply being interrupted, you talk about stores and the economy shutting down. It is a disconnect from the material and really looking at what are those things that we need to do in terms of focusing on each other. And we've said this so many times in our past podcast, mm -hmm. focusing on each other and then really doing those rituals to clear your space and to lift your spirits and to really focus on the cleansing and the caring and the healing that we need to do on an individual basis, which will then um, serve us in a powerful, uh, a very powerful way. Yeah, so, and to add to that, you know, the discussion we always have is that it's the great migration back to spirit. I mm -hmm. mean, it's, it's, we're migrating back to where we came from. And people need to understand that. So, people do. And the thing about it is, what I found for this time, let let me let me back up. What for spiritual people, it's very important because a lot of times you hear um, certain certain people that call themselves spiritual, and they they make you feel like you know to be upset about something, to have issues to be going through some things uh, that makes you less spiritual because they're always, oh, you have to be positive. Yeah. No, spirituality does not necessarily mean that you're always going to be positive. 
it does not necessarily mean that you're always going to have a smile on your face. Well, because they don't understand that you're still human. They talk about spirituality as if it makes you immune to all of the human emotions. That's not what spirituality is about. Spirituality is about you're still feeling it because we're encased in this physical, um, um, you know, presence. We're encased in this physical self. But that does not mean that we're immune from it. It's how we handle it and how we go through it. That's what makes a difference with what we practice and how we actually navigate this plane. And what each of us has to remember is those of us that are, you know, moving towards a more spiritual, holistic way of living, what you gain along the way are, is the toolbox. Yes. At each level, you get different tools to put in your toolbox. And so during this time is when you open up your toolbox and you say, what can I use to help me? Okay. And it's funny because, okay, you say, I'm going to meditate. Meditation isn't working for me. I'm going to uh, go in front of my shrine. You know, going in front of my shrine, there's something happening. It's not working for me. What else? There's another thing in your toolbox that people don't realize is very important, and that's having a support system. Yes. So that when you are having trouble making a connection, be it through meditation or going in front of your shrines or Walking out in nature is not doing it for you, especially if you live in a place where walking outside is not really that much of an option at this point. Um, you need to be able to have people that you can reach out to and to be able to uh, also be in a position where you're a person that somebody else can reach out to because each of us are dealing with this in different ways. I am personally a homebody. But at the same time, I also have a, um, a job that, you know, is considered essential. So I still get the opportunity to get out of my house three days a week so that I look forward to being locked up in the house for four days a week. I crazy. Because <laughs> you're away from people. Yes. Exactly. So it's like, so my situation is different. And I've been reminding my family over here. That, you know, keep in mind that we are more blessed than a lot of people going through this situation because just about everybody in my home has been considered essential at the, for, for the jobs that we work. So we've been able to maintain an income and, and do other things. And, you know, I let them know that not everybody is as fortunate. So it's very important that we realize as a, as a community of human beings that we need to be caring for each other. And then you see all these people out there doing things that you're looking like, like, why are you out there, you know, being abusive to each other? Everything that's going on, everybody is struggling. Everybody is trying to make ends meet. Everybody is trying to find a way to make it to the next day. So, you know, when we add on to that the different abuses, you have racism didn't stop because of COVID. Oh, no, not at all. There are those things that have just become such an intrinsic part of the community that we live in in the United States. And what we're seeing is that the circumstances that we're living under right now, and for lots of reasons that we're not going to get into here, people are feeling like, oh, it's not that racism ever went away. It was just that it was not 
those outward uh, displays of it was not yeah. was not accepted. And now that it, it there is a feeling that these outward displays of their really deep feelings of racism can now surface freely, we're seeing more of it. But make no mistake, it never went away. One, exactly, of, yeah. one of the things that I, I wanted to go back to is what you said about having a support group. When people think of support groups, they hear it and they're able to accept it. When we talk about it from a psychiatric perspective, when we talk about it from a mental health perspective, but somehow they don't realize that it also exists from a spiritual perspective. Yes. And in the same way that people will walk into a church, a synagogue, a mosque, that is a community. Well, it's the same thing that happens within our cultures, but we would do this within the village. We would do this within the community. And so it's, it's drawing those parallels for people to truly understand which came first, community or that church that you're walking into, right? Community or that mosque that you're walking into. Mm -hmm. So not to hit any of those religions, but when you talk about being a religious, uh, a spiritual person and not a religious person, all of a sudden the very people who are judged not that thou shalt not be judged want to throw shade and, and judge. And it's like, really? Really? And you know, the one thing that I love, and, and, and you, you know this, Mama Jan, um, in my ELA, we have a Marco Polo, which is like a video chat, and then we have the Viber, which is like, you know, the instant messaging, instant messaging chat. Mm -hmm. And my godmother has us check in on both platforms every day. We don't have to have a long conversation. It's just, you know, just a hi, how you doing? Yeah. The reason she does that is because, you know, that Marco Polo gives her an opportunity to see you visually. It's easy to type hi on Viber and nobody know what else is going on with you. Right. She's very highly intuitive. So she likes to be able to see what's going on. And just, you know, having the sisters that I have in the ELA. So between my, my godmother checking out my aura, uh, as they say, and <laughs> so I, by being able to chat with my god sisters, it helps to put things in perspective. It, it helps to know that I have a group of women out there who, you know, we, we, we are very much aware of each other and we can reach out to each other. And when I say have a spiritual, this, this is what I want people to understand. When I say have a spiritual support group, let me explain something. This is going to rock somebody's world, I already know. Everybody doesn't have to be, oh, kumbaya, let's all own. Sometimes you need a good support group of spiritual women that can still drop a cuss word every now and then because sometimes there are certain situations that only is not going to describe how you are feeling and you need to just drop the bomb and get it off the chest so that you can get to the own. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> One of the things... You want to talk about, you know, oh, you need to say, no, sometimes I just need to say what I have to say. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. One of the things so that, that I... I can get back to breathing and, and doing my own and my meditation. That's right. One of the things that we saw very evident when we talked to the shamans and, and when we were in West Africa, they said, listen, there are times where you have some just serious, direct conversations with your ancestors. Like, okay, tell me what the hell is happening where and what the hell it is that you want me to do. You yeah. know, and they use some other strong words. It's like they, they are very, um, they find some of the practices 
that have been adapted here in North America to be somewhat comical in terms of the pomp and circumstance that mm -hmm. ceremony that they put with it because it is a very personal, very real, very down-to-earth relationship that you actually have with your ancestors to be like, mm -hmm. stop. What the hell? I You asked me to do this, this, this. I did it. And now what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? So for those who may find this to be, oh, that's not the way that I thought it was. There's a whole lot of learning to be done. And if you want to really learn about this, Daughters of the Moon is a, is a really good place to do that. I had a question yeah. for the male perspective, though. Yeah. What What is it that males do in terms of having that, type of connection or is that a common connection for males to have where they get together and and have that kind of no. emotional support <laughs> i have to say that i have not found that to be a common connection and i find that to really be lacking well let me let me ask my husband what he thinks what do you think well um i, I think counter to it's kind of counter to what you're saying we do have that connection, but it's it's a much it's in a much smaller scale, because it's it's in a lot of cases it's really hard to find uh, find males that are on the same wavelength spiritually, and so um, we tend to have our connections related to a lot of other things, but in terms of um, getting that spiritual um, support, uh, that grouping for us, and I, and I can say for me, is much smaller than that grouping would be for other areas that, I, that we have interest in. So there's a smaller group of males who are willing to have these, they're not willing, but there are a smaller group of males who have openly engaged in conversations around spirituality. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I have, and as my wife and I have tons of people I know I would say probably maybe 5 to 10% of those people will talk about spiritual stuff. You said will or won't? Will. Will. Yeah. But Omi, within the female circles, though, you're saying that that's a much bigger number. It is. And I think part of that is because our black men have been kind of taught on a certain level that... Let's, let's put it this way. For us as women, we get together, we share emotions, we cry, we laugh, you know, um, we, we're, we're, we connect with each other on a very high emotional level. I feel as though our black men have kind of been um, taught not to tap in so much emotionally. Because, and it's just, mm. and even recently having seen a mother tell her son, you better not cry. Boys don't cry. Mm. Are they hurt? And she punched them like you. You know that's you better not cry when I punch you and things like that. I feel like yeah, really um, kind of kept our men from being able to gather in their masculine and be able to tap into those emotions because they deal with a lot of stuff. Like, that's right. I'm not saying we don't. But they do too. But That's I think right. that we have an opportunity to reach out to a sisterhood a lot easier and work out those emotions than yes. they have an opportunity to reach out to a brotherhood. Yes. And be able to. I feel like it has to be a very, very, very special group of brothers. Yes. That can come together 
and be able to release and hug and you know because and and not feel like oh that's 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 you know stop being a girl you know right but, exactly and yeah understand that there's a lot of stuff going on that our brothers just don't have the opportunity to really express like I recently saw a video of a black man who was doing his job and delivering furniture into a gated community. He had the code and everything, went and delivered the furniture, and as he was leaving, he was stopped by somebody who claimed to be the head of the Homeowners Association, basically blocking him from getting out. So for a long time, he's gone back and forth with this gentleman, then another gentleman comes up, and then you have the person that he brought the furniture off to come and defuse the situation. This brother said once he got off the property, all of his emotions just released. Because, honestly, he didn't know what was going to happen. Was he, was he going to come? Was he going to be dragged out the car? And, right. And, and, be, and so, but he had to hold that in, you know. And I wonder who he's able to turn to when he gets home. And, I mean, he could have a wonderful support system. So I'm using this as a general. Right. But it's like having experienced that, who do they have to turn to? Right. When they get home. And be able to just break down and admit, like, I, I, I was scared as hell. How, what, what is it that males do? To thinking about what Iaomi just said. In situations where, again, so many of our males are under pressure, under attack by society, by circumstances, by the pressures of just day-to-day -day living and being the head of the household and being that leader and everything that goes with that. What is it that men do just in general? Because as human beings, you're experiencing those same type of emotions, that fear, that uncertainty. And you were nodding when she was saying, you know, hey, yeah, you, you're, you grow up as males hearing, don't cry. Boys aren't supposed to cry, you know? So how... Yeah, it, it becomes an internal battle because what you're, what you're talking about there is we've been conditioned to show no emotion... Be strong and kind of just make sure that you're, you're the rock. And so what men, what a lot of men do and, and, and is that they, they tend to go and to a bar and get a drink. Yeah. Most of, because, again, it's There's like, okay. There's an outlet. They, they, they find an outlet, whether it's going to a bar, whether it's playing sports or whatever, just to kind of release that. Um I was nodding because in order to really um, be very spiritual or into that spiritual realm, you do have to touch it. You have to, you have to be in connection to your emotions. And so the brothers that I, or the, even the spiritual brothers that I have, we all tap into our emotions. So when we get together and we talk, we let it all hang out. There's no... And it's, it's a no judgment zone. If we have, if, if we feel like we need to cry, we feel like we need to yell and scream or be, uh, uh, be ourselves, we can do that. We can't do that with all brothers because all brothers don't know how to, the, the, are not able to receive that. Yeah. And they look at that as a, a sign of weakness. So, yeah, it, it is a challenge. I think the thing that, that and, and for all of those who are listening, I think one of the things that, and Omi, you can tell me if, what, what you think of this, because you've got daughters and you've got a son. I don't think that men realize that that is actually a plus 
and not a negative when it comes to is that attractive to a woman? Mm-hmm. The fact that you can actually display and tap into your emotions. This is not to say that you're going to ball more than me. No, we're not. We do want the strength to be there. Don't get me wrong. But just the mere fact that, you know, hey, I, you are expressing this emotion. You're not stone. You're not ice. You're still able to feel things. And then you go, okay, how are we going to get through this together? In a relationship, that's what the woman's looking for. So the fact that you can share that deep moment of intimacy with that woman is huge when it comes to relationships. So I think there is an opportunity for us to be able to, and, and we've got sons, and we say that with them. You, you, it, it's learning because we teach our, our daughters you know, how to do this. It's learning the, the how to do it. And then being comfortable with that because we, as women, don't have to come across as, as the macho one. You know, we don't have to mm-hmm. come across. We're not, ours is to, to be understanding, to be accepting that, that softer side, but we also have to have that balance. Men, on the other hand, there just seems to be this total focus on the harder side and not the softer. And that, that needs to be displayed and encouraged. Yeah, yeah and, and to reiterate on what I was saying, too, is that the, we have sons, and using the word of love, I love you, is not an issue. Yeah. And so even with the, 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 the spiritual brothers that I have, we constantly, we love each other and we hug each other. And so it's like, okay, this is the moment in time where we can be whole as a whole person. That's it. That's, that's the piece. That's the piece. Yeah. It's being whole. That's and exactly see, one it. thing that we had to, that I had to learn with my husband is that men also have different ways of expressing love. Like women, we're very much, I love you. We want to hear I love you. You know, why don't you tell me you love me and all this. Right. Men, they express their love. Like my husband, he loves me. He tells me he loves me. But his way of expressing it is he gets up, he goes to work, he works seven days a week. He, he makes sure that I don't have to pay any bills. My money is my money. You know, he picks me up and takes me where I need to go. He makes sure. That's his way of expressing love. Yes, you it's know? the actions. It's yeah. like I'm going to show you how much I love you right. by taking he, care of you and doing these things. Exactly. So he may not necessarily be, oh, you know, I love you. But he's like, okay, this is what you need. Let me go get it. This is what, I, this is what you need. Let me go get you, you know, work for it so I can make it happen. I got, I got to put a roof over your head. I need to make sure you yeah. do this. I need to make, and that means a lot to me as well because you know people ask, um, how was I able to do some of the things that I do? I couldn't have done it without him. I would not have been able to have the freedom to explore my spiritual journey if he wasn't in here taking care of a lot of stuff that needed to be taken care of. Right. I wouldn't have been able to not work outside the home for as long as I did and have my own little businesses here and there, if he wasn't outside the home, you know, making sure that we had a steady income. Yeah. When you work for yourself, sometimes things can get sporadic. Right. Um, so I was very blessed in being able to, you know, have the freedom to do the things that I wanted to do, even with my spiritual practice. You know, he doesn't practice the same thing I do, but at the same time, he takes me to the Botanica. Uh, he'll he'll make sure that I'm at the the moon. Right. Uh, yes. You know he'll he's there to drop me off, make sure that I'm picked up and everything's right. packed up and put away. So it's like when I needed him to support me in this journey, he's been this 
to support me. And to me, that's love. Like, that is. I, I'm able to do the things that I want to do because I know things here are taken care of. So I had to learn, you know, that men express themselves in different ways. Now, my son, because um, I, for a long time, I was a single mother with my son before I got married. And so, you know, he's, I raised him, hopefully, I raised him to be a little bit more um, open with his I love you. He's still, he, he'll tell you in a minute, I get my work ethic from my dad. <laughs> uh, but he, he often, you know, says I'm a lot like my mom. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to certain emotions, because my, my son is a big I love you. Yeah. And, and he hugs and kisses and things like that. And I, I, don't, I don't think I did it intentionally. Like, it, I wasn't set I, I didn't set out to do that. Right. Because of the, the, the person I am, like, I'm a big hugger, kisser, that rubbed off on him. Um, but I do think that we as a community need to, you know, understand that some of these things don't have a, oh, this is a boy way a boy is supposed to act. This is the way a girl is supposed to act. Right. Because male or female emotions are there. That's right. But one thing to take a child when they're crying and talk to them and help them understand why they're crying. Right. Help them understand why this may not necessarily be a situation where that level of reaction is necessary. And then start building with them the toolbox and give them the tools. Start let, teaching them how to use the tools of, okay, so if you get into this situation again, oh, oh, Timmy took my toy, so now I'm crying. Okay, now is this really a reason? Or how did it make you feel? Right. It's really talking them through it so they understand Hi. as opposed to saying, no, you shouldn't do that. You need to stop crying because there are times where tears is that natural response. That is what you need because that's the reason that we have tears. It's a release. And then also keep in mind that a lot of us aren't crying because if I'm one of them, I cry when I'm mad. Right. I, I cry yeah. when I'm mad, especially when I can't let my mouth do what I want it to do. Then <laughs> No, there's also that crying. It's like you're crying because it's like, I really want to take your ass out. I really want to take your ass out, but I'm not going to. You know, so sometimes they have to, don't, don't be confused with the crying. The crying is when you're holding yourself back. And it's all right. the things that you wish you could do in terms of just simply kicking that person's ass. And because yes. you know that you can't, it's like, okay, I really can't do this. Let me shed a tear for the fact that you're going to walk away without getting the ass kicking and the whooping that I know you deserve. Yeah, I really and, and it's like, okay, for that, I will just, I will cry a tear. And, and, you know, so sometimes people get confused and they're like, oh, you just scared of me. No, I'm more scared oh, of the fact that I could I'm take you out. <laughs> I am so scared of the fact that I could take you out and not regret it. But, you know, hey, I just, I'm not you just you. don't know. No, yes. That's not the situation. <laughs> I'm actually saving you right now. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And it is, and, and you cry because they don't realize I am really saving you and you're still going right. at me. You know, so they, 
Exactly. So you have to understand there are different there are different cries. Yes. You no, know, and don't and you know, I always tell people don't mistake kindness for weakness. That's right. That's you know, right. Because, you know, and, and, and also teaching like, you know, when to react and when to just let it go. Sometimes when you look at a situation you let it go, people wanna think, Oh, okay, she's scared of she would no, I'm just I just choose not to give you any more of my energy. That's right. Conserve that energy. That's a really good point. And that is also very true, especially in our relationships, where it's just like, mm -hmm. you know what? And it, I'm not talking about marriage relationships or intimate relationships. I'm just talking about an interacting with other two-legged human beings, right? Although they aren't four-legged human beings, but oh, it just in interacting with other humans because they don't realize that energy is precious. And I am not going to waste any more energy in my interactions with you because it is seriously taking away from me. And I don't want to give any more of me to you. Therefore, I'm just going to let this go. And then they want to keep going and keep going, keep going. It's like, uh-uh, no, you're not going to dictate how I choose to expend mm -hmm. my energy. I'm not going to let you do that. And it's exactly. really important for us to truly just understand the nature and the power of being able to say, no, I'm not, and you can't make me. And see, that's what I wanted to bring the Daughters of the Moon. So being able to connect with other women, create a support system, know that there are women out there who are like you. You are not an anomaly. You are not a weirdo. You are not a devil worshiper or however they want to turn you, you are somebody who, for all intents and purposes, have been chosen by the ancestral side of your line to come and do the work that your family has forgotten. Each of us receive a call, but are we going to answer it? Right. I truly believe that every black woman around here has some sort of shamanism, hoodoo, voodoo, you do, do do, whatever, in them. <laughs> if do they choose to acknowledge it. Are they going to tap into it? I mean, technically, you can look in the church and you they can call it whatever they want to call it. Everything they do in the church can be found in witchcraft. Everything That's they right. In the That's right. Other traditions. So that you're, you're eating of the body and drinking of the blood. That's right. You know, you're, you're catching the Holy Ghost. That's possession. And they don't understand that. They don't understand right. that every single thing that's happening there, all of your saints in the in the Catholic Church, they're related to an Orisha. They're related to a Lua, every single last one of them. So the things that you're practicing in the name of Christianity, and there are also a lot of people who, they'll go to church on Sunday and they will burn that candle on a Friday. They will burn it on Sunday night. You know, they're aware of what to do when the moon is full, what to do when the moon is waxing. They are aware of what to do with the changing of the seasons. So don't let being in the church confuse people as to what other practices and rituals are taking place to sustain that complete mm -hmm. circle of being able to survive and to thrive on this plane. Mm -hmm. Because it comes in all angles. You wanted to say something, my dear. No, I mean, so if, if, if someone is interested in learning more about Daughters of the Moon, it can't be me because I'm a guy. So if someone wants to learn more, um, how do they go about learning more and how do they go about participating? And the other part I want to ask too is from a from planning perspective, what are you planning 
now for Daughters of the Moon based on the fact that we have this uh, pandemic and what changes do you see in terms of your next event that comes up uh, this year? Okay. So, Doctors of the Moon, you can reach us at our website, which is goddess, which is spelled D-A-W-T-A-S-O-S-E-H-E-M-O-O-N. So, Daughters of the Moon, dot uh, org, that's the website. We also have a private Facebook page for paid members, um, and we're switching over to another platform. Uh, we also have a business page uh, on Facebook by the same name, Daughters of the Moon. And you can reach out to us through our business page by sending us a message. I don't have contact, uh, a contact thing on the website at this moment in time. So you can reach out to us through either our Facebook page or you can email us at daughtersofthemoon at gmail.com. You can also call us at 240-750-6890, and that number is also on the website. Now, as far as the, what we're doing this year um, due to the pandemic, this is probably going to be the easiest planning year I've ever had, <laughs> the daughters of the moon, so I, I'm actually quite enjoying it. Um, we are going to go to an online convention. So I still wanted to do something um, so that we are not still and we can still gather. Um, so we are going to an online convention, which is going to still be in October. It's going to be October 17th. It's going to be a one-day, all-day online convention. Um, we're going to start rolling out this week, actually, a call for teachers. Uh, we're still going to have vendors. We're creating an online marketing place so that people can still patronize our vendors because one thing that I didn't mention was that Daughters of the Moon is very much about supporting small black um, yes. black businesses, especially by women, um, to promote those more. So we've, we've tried to make our um, vendors um, very much a part of the convention, very much an integral part of the convention, and making sure they got time in between speakers and workshops to um, to be able to display their items and, and for our attendees to be able to visit. So we're looking to bring something like that still, but do it virtually. Okay. Um, so everybody will still have a convention this year, but be able to do it from the safety of your own home. Adhering to social distancing. So it will be a virtual Daughters of the Moon convention this year, October 17th, 2020, with more details to follow. And so for those who are interested, certainly go and look at the Daughters of the Moon uh, Facebook page. There's also a Daughters of the Moon Instagram. You can follow them on Instagram as well. And there's also the Daughters of the Moon at gmail.com. And then the telephone number. Did you want to repeat the phone number, Iaomi, for them to contact Daughters of the Moon? Yeah, it's two four, I said it wrong the first time. So it's 240-750-6890. Okay, very good. This has actually been a wonderful hour that we have spent together discussing Daughters of the Moon. It always goes by so quickly whenever we get together and we spend time together. But I think it's really great 
that people now have an understanding, a greater understanding of what it is that Daughters of the Moon actually does and why it was created. I also want to encourage individuals, honestly, if there are questions, if there are particular topics that you would like to have addressed at this year's Daughters of the Moon convention, please submit that information to Iaomi so that she will be able to take that into consideration because, again, it's about providing information that you will find most useful and that will be beneficial to you. This is for you, by us, in your best interest. Ashe. Ashe. This has been wonderful. Thank you so very much, Iaomi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been wonderful, and we will absolutely, positively do it again very soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time, spending this time with my wonderful, amazing husband, Joe. Thank you for participating in the conversation, because I know when I said this to him, he was like, I I'm not going to have anything to say. I was like, well, come anyway. But when you talk about... When you talk about uh, the whole piece, Iaomi, with support and showing love, that, that's him. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll be there to support you. So I'm glad that you were <laughs> able to bring the male perspective to this. And I just want to say you have a very small group of, of brothers, like you said, in your circle. And I have nothing but much love and respect for them because they are um, uh, just amazing, um, an amazing group of professional, talented absolutely awesome individuals and then to add to that the fact that there's that spiritual component wow that's just great Iaomi it has been wonderful thank you all so very much for joining us my pleasure thank you so much and until we meet again and we absolutely will please take care in due time <laughs> good night that's when we'll meet again in due time thank you take care